This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by VO2GoGo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO2GoGo.com start. Hello and welcome to episode 178 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Algar. And on this podcast, we bring you interviews with working actors, writers, filmmakers, agents, managers, producers, casting directors, personal finance and fitness gurus, voiceover artists, and so many more. And we're to do to start at this little thing because we were just looking for the answers and we were kind of sick and tired of being told we had to pay for it. In fact, I, you know, when we both worked at Apple, we were into these celebrities all the time. And I remember being like, it's Elijah Wood. I just want to ask him to coffee, but I feel like weird about it. But if I had a good reason for him to do so that's why we started this thing. We wanted to make it free, not have to pay for it, be able to have an excuse to sit down with these people. And we thought we'd just put it on the internet. You know, because we could. <laughs> and, uh, you know, while all the success stories that we hear about on this show from our guests, while they're all, they all tend to kind of be built on a common foundation of, of principles, we don't believe there's any one right way to do anything. So if you hear something in this episode, or in any episode of the show, with which you vehemently agree or vehemently disagree, you can send us an email, you can shoot us a tweet, you can comment on our website, you can call our voicemail line and leave us a voicemail. All of that will go to us and then we will uh, feature on the show. Uh, later in today's episode, we have the, uh, the third and final part aw, of Trev's chat with filmmaking team DC Hamilton and Brina Kelly. So stick around for that. Hey everybody, this is Trev with a quick bit of news before we jump into episode 178. Uh, Long story short, AJ and Trevor record podcast episode. Trevor then go and delete significant portion of said podcast episode and Trevor unable to recover deleted significant portion of said podcast episode so yeah i i screwed up and i deleted a huge chunk of the episode and it's just gone it went bye bye so what you're going to hear in this episode is the introduction and then a sort of sudden transition uh into a response to an email that we got uh from a listener um so there's that whole like kind of catch-up thing we do at the very beginning of, uh, of every episode that lasts about 15 20 minutes is just kind of gone from this episode so you have me to thank for that uh, it's all the better, though, because the interview with Brina and DC, or David, uh, he goes by both, uh, is about 33 minutes long, and it's really good stuff. And so I kind of feel like the less noise around that interview, the better. So sorry about the screw-up. Enjoy the interview, and we'll catch you in the catch-up section next week.
have an email, right, from a listener. Have we ever figured out how to say her name? She hasn't corrected us yet, has she? <laughs> uh, I, I think she actually she affirmed that we were saying it correctly. Oh. So it's, it's Fatu, I believe. Fatu, Fatu Sao. Sao. Or so. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whoops. Anyway, uh, she's been listening to the podcast for a, a fair bit now and, and been very, um, uh, very, what do I want to say, communicative with the podcast, which is awesome. Um, and this email is something we've never talked about on the podcast before. And she just wanted to get her our thoughts on, on this. She basically said, want to get your opinion on stock footage work. There's a small project I wanted to submit for, but I'm a bit apprehensive about signing off on something that could be used for any and all purposes outside of the initial project. What are your thoughts on this kind of work? And I think, Trev, you and I are going to be uh, devil's advocates on this because um, based on the email that you sent, I, um, I have, I'm of the opposite opinion, which is great. It's, I, I love when that happens. Usually yeah. we come down on the same side of an issue almost every time, but in this case, uh, I think that what you said or have to say about it is extremely valid and valuable and i just have like a different you know take on it so uh who wants to be right i'm just kidding who wants to go first <laughs> <laughs> well I'll, I'll jump in because you know i'm I, i'm on both sides of this of this um kind of dilemma uh simultaneously because i you know i do believe work begets work and that who knows what kind of people you can meet and who knows could see you know, who, who knows what this could lead to? I think saying yes a lot of the time, as long as it's kind of in alignment with your goals and it's not uh, obstructing other things in your life that are important to you, saying yes is always the, is the best option, especially in this industry. So I think, you know, stock footage is kind of weird because you don't know how it's going to be used. You can't really control who's going to use it for what. You might end up in a music video. You might end up in a commercial. You might end up in a pitch video for, for something that you don't believe in and, and that your values are not aligned with at all. So it's it's tough to say, but at the same time, who knows what it, what it could lead to? If you say no and you don't do it, then nothing changes with your with your career. I mean, you don't. There's there's people that you aren't going to meet, and there's work that you're not going to do. But you could then use that time to go do other work that you know is not stock footage work that you are behind that you are in line with. So you know, it's I I, I don't know. I, I honestly. If, I, if it was just modeling, I would say, yeah, go for it. Why not? But when it comes to acting, and it's difficult because that stuff can be put in weird context that's with which, over which you have no control. Yeah. So uh, to be honest, I don't really have a, a cut and dry um, response to this. I, and I don't, think there, I don't think there ever is. You know, it's, it's, to me, it's always – and I said this to you in the roundtable episodes. It's always important to remember to ask the questions and not necessarily have a – be be open be open and willing to to the idea that there may not be a, an answer, which is mm, a tough pill yeah. to swallow for humans, because <laughs> um, <laughs> you know it's evolution. Like we, uh, we yeah. you know having an answer, having certainty helps us survive. So, um, but I, I my thing is like with stock photography, for instance, you never know where, where it's going to end up, and just a picture of you smiling and 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 you right. know high fiving someone could end up in like a an ad for an, uh, a, like a herpes medication or an STD medication or something like that. Right. And there are obviously that helps someone because there are people living with that. But the question is, do you want your face associated with that particular brand of whatever it is? You know, there, I've heard stories of people who are, you know, pro environment and, um, 
you know, never smoked a day in their life. And then their picture ends up in some like smoking ad because they did stock photography. And once it's done, it's done. Like it's there forever. People can just purchase that stock, you know, photograph and use it in perpetuity indefinitely. And that's, that's one of the big issues I have with it is that the contract that you sign, there's no, there's no limit to it. There's no, there's no end date yeah for it's the a use. full release it's yeah. a full release of that so like you said trev your the footage could end up in like a national commercial and you got paid you know maybe a thousand bucks for the one day as opposed to the tens of thousands of dollars that you would actually get if you were in that you know in a national commercial so then it it, it becomes this thing of 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 not getting sort of what you're worth as mm-hmm. an actor an artist as as a as a person as someone a working you know someone who's in the u.s workforce um yeah. you know so it's um it, it's it's it, i understand the the networking aspect and the relationship building aspect but i'm also extremely cautious and and were it me in terms of which way i lean whether it's yes or no i would lean no and mm-hmm. and just Mm-hmm. encourage anyone who's considering doing this kind of work to just think about the reasons why you're doing it um, and make sure that you set an intention going in. So if your intention is to make money, which is fine, that is a great intention to have, and also make you know build relationships, that's awesome. But if your intention is to be a working actor, you're not really being used for your specific skill set. It's like you were saying, Trev, like if you're a model, that's, that's one thing. You know, and because you're—that's kind of what you're being hired to do—is model, right? right? Right. So, if you're a model, that's one thing. But if you consider yourself an actor, and that's what you know you want to do—is this serving your vision for your career? Yeah, but and to even play devil's advocate to that, you know, it's but it, it begs the question: How is this any different from playing like you know a bad guy or, or or a child rapist or something like that? If it's acting, it's acting, you know. So there's that aspect to it. I think the I think the, uh, the the real kind of crux of it is that you can't control how somebody else uses it. I mean, it could be put in a video for, you know, <clears throat> white supremacists or something like that, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh crap, that's. I mean, I, I didn't really sign off on that. I didn't want to do that kind of project. Or maybe you're a vegan, you know, and it gets put in a, in a McDonald's commercial or something, and you're just like, I don't support that at all. Right. I'm not even getting paid more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, another thing, another good thing to do would be to talk to someone who represents actors, like an agent or a manager or something like that, because they deal with contracts constantly. That's their job. So they, or even a producer. So someone in that field might have a better idea of what you're getting yourself into. I guess. Yeah. Uh, enjoy this, and we'll catch you guys on the other side.
So let's talk then about about the process with Midnight Monster. I mean, we, mm-hmm. you made the film. It was about 6K. You called in a lot of favors. You got oh, some did. awesome people and equipment uh, to make that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there were some struggles with like the airplanes flying overhead and Ooh. things like that. But yeah. you eventually cut it yourselves. I mean, David, you're an editor, so mm-hmm. you yeah. you do you cut all your stuff yourself pretty much? I mean, you cut them in the feature yourself. So, too, yeah, right? so far. Yeah. On that iMac that you have in your apartment. Uh, on the very same iMac. Yes, it's, it's been it's through just a lot. It's so cool, man. That you can. It's a tough can, little machine. You can do that. And, yeah. yeah. Love right. digital technology for that. For yeah, that and then it can, and that you can have a really first-rate product yeah. that you just cut on a computer that you buy. Just like I just love that. You don't need these huge editing suites anymore. I mean, you know, it's that's that's the beauty of it now is that you know the the stuff that's available to you. I mean, it's it's been said ten thousand times in the last fifteen years. The stuff that's available to you now is yeah, we're spoiled. We're spoiled as filmmakers. Yeah. So there's there's no. I feel like there's no better time but also no worse time to be a filmmaker. To be an independent filmmaker yeah. and to be doing it DIY on it's, your own. It's true. This is my DIY film. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So, 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 so yeah, I mean, you guys cut it yourself. And yeah. then this is where I kind of am in the dark about the rest of the process. All okay. I know is that the film came out and you were shopping it around to investors. Mm-hmm. But tell us about what this was like, because w- the next thing I heard was that you had gotten some money from an overseas investor. Mm-hmm. So what was the, the shopping and festival and all that stuff? What was that process like? What happened next? You've got the finished product. Now what? Now you take it with people whom you know or who, who are, whom you know people who know who have money. This is the part that will never truly be very artistic. But then you put together a budget for the feature and you say a very detailed budget. You know, it's, those things are usually about 30 pages and you line item everything every single thing that you would need you know like exactly (laughs) catering transportation every light every crew member every cast member and did you did you bring somebody on board for that or did you just eyeball it or or ballpark it this is something that a uh, line producer will do for you and this they know those numbers specific job is you know they have uh computer programs and they have knowledge that uh, that I don't have, that most people who do not do that specific job don't have. This is like the job of an accountant, which which is you have to learn that specific skill to be able to do it. We knew uh, a friend of ours was a line producer, um, has done it before, did it for us for like a discount rate. Um, so we were able to get a budget and um, put together and basically say, we need this much, here's where it's all going to. You can see, you know, we're not like pocketing a single cent of it. This is how much it's going to cost to produce this script. And you, you package the script with the budget. And at the time we had come up with, you know, our budget was um, about 500000 We need a half a million to, to pull this off. At the bare minimum. Bare minimum. That's how much it's going to cost. Here's how much is going to cast. Here's how much is going to locations. Here's how much is going to crew. And, you know, post-production, etc. Every single thing was marked out. We had that. We had the script. We also put together um, what um, people in the industry call a lookbook, which is basically a it's like a PowerPoint presentation on paper of what the quote unquote vibe of the movie is going to be. Yeah, it's where, called like a vision board for yeah, your movie. Basically, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you you pull together just um, images of the uh, the set pieces that you you had envisioned and like color palettes and it's like swatches you know and uh pictures of actors who you feel like embody the characters and then of course you have the synopsis of the of the script in there as well and anything else that you feel like and storyboards and anything else that you feel like might 
properly represent the film. So, you know, when you're looking for investors, you definitely have to do the work. You definitely have to put effort into it. Again, just like the Kickstarter thing, you have to show that you are serious and that you, you know, you have put all of the work into into it that's necessary, except now you're asking for tons more money. Mm -hmm. So, you know, your presentation is very, very important. You put that with the short film together and you just start pitching it to people who, um, at our level in independent filmmaking, generally you're financing more often than not, as I've noticed, uh, just from other friends who are producers who do independent film, is going to be from outside of the industry. It's going to be from someone who, for them, a million dollars, half a million dollars is a tax write-off. Right. Someone who is, I mean, really, seriously, it, it really ultimately, it really is that. You know, money that you don't have that's going to save your life for them is just like, well, I'll support this little arty thing because, you know, I'm an oil tycoon. And right, right. <laughs> now, now there, I feel like there are two reasons somebody would invest in a mm -hmm. film, especially in 2014, 2015. Mm -hmm. Number one would be because they care about the arts and they want to support exactly. artists. And number mm -hmm. two is because they think it might make a return. Exactly. I feel like the second one is a lot less likely... For an independent film than the first one. Yes. I mean, you do indie films for the same reason you do short film, either for the love of the material or for prestige or for, you know, or to, to get yourself seen. There's very, very little. It's it's not a great investment in terms of, you know, making your money back. That's you, but don't 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 open with that. <laughs> Always open with this thing is gonna do great. It's gonna be the little film that could. It's gonna break the independent film mold. Right. Always open with that. So how how did you craft your pitch then? I mean, and who did you? I'm sorry. To whom? To be grammatically whom? correct, to whom did you speak, did I speak? Uh, about oh. about this film? I mean, you said anybody with money, but there must have been some some leads you had. Well, we tried a couple of things. Um, one of the the and these are you know people who didn't work out was. Um, Basically, a, a person who came from a wealthy family who had an interest in producing films, and he had, uh, a couple years ago, produced a film which was still in post-production, which just didn't go well for him at all. And he had put a lot of money into it, and it just kind of fell apart, and it's still not out. So he had a bad experience, but you know we were hoping, or maybe we weren't asking for that much money. Maybe if you try again, it wouldn't be so bad this time. So we talked to that person. I talked to a couple of other people that I knew who just, you know, who just had, you know, either who was in real estate or who had disposable income that, um, uh, who knew me when I was a kid that, you know, maybe that I thought would help support me. But that, honestly, that kind of stuff, it hardly really ever works out. It's really a crapshoot. You're, you're stabbing in the dark there when mm. you're doing that. You have to have a, a, ultimately the way we got ours finances, you have to have a more, um, you have to go to people that you you feel like have more of a chance at wanting to help you out with this. For me, I went back to my old industry. I went back to the same people who worked with me as a child. I went back to my family who, as I've mentioned, are pretty well off. And I went back to, you know, to those people, old producers and, you know, and uh, people who've known me since I was a kid, who, since I, happen to have been in the industry and say I'm in you know the United States now and this is going to be my feature film debut in the United States help me um get this started and ultimately that's what worked was uh, the financing came from overseas from people who wanted to specifically to 
to see me do something because they had known me from something else, mm-hmm. and that's how we ended up raising uh, five hundred fifty thousand in the end. Oh, so a little more than your than your budget. Well, I mean, it, it went over budget too, so we had to okay. to raise that last part at the end there. But well, what uh, happens when it goes over budget like that? Do you do you go back to those people and say, "Hey, so about that number we agreed on"? Basically, you <laughs> say we are so close, but you know, we just needed a little bit more, and if you just give us a little bit more. Um, that we ended up having to put our own money into it because it went over budget too. It's, again, it's one of those things where when you're so close and you just need that last 10%, but you've come 90 and the option then to not finish the film simply is not, that's where you start taking out credit cards and mm-hmm. mortgaging your home. And that's where you start, you know, getting desperate because you have to finish it because to not finish it would mean that all of the rest of it was, you know, for nothing, for nothing and you can't do that. So that's really when you start to panic and when a lot of indie films get into trouble is in post-production they realize that they just need a little bit more you know for the color or the sound or for the music or something that they didn't expect or you know a little bit more vfx than they originally thought they needed and um yeah i think it happens to everyone it happens to the best of us yeah. Or they need, you know, a pickup day or a reshoot or something. I'm, like I'm glad you said that because you hear stories about like Ed Burns who like mm-hmm. made his made the Newlyweds or I think it was Newlyweds for like nine thousand dollars, and these stories are being kicked around the internet. And there's headlines everywhere. Make your feature film for nine grand, mm-hmm. and then you read Good an in, with interview that. with him, <laughs> and he says like, yeah, no, the the production costs were nine mm-hmm. grand. The post production was about twenty five. Exactly. I, there's a producer friend of mine who produced a film. They were able to shoot it for thirty thousand. They need another 180 to be able to finish it, but they didn't really think about that at the time. They just went and shot it. It's a it's a creature feature, so they said, well, well, we, we can shoot it for eighty thousand because it's just in front of a green or, or thirty thousand. It's just mostly in front of a green screen. When it came time to finish it, they were scrambling for two years now trying to get this done. They shot it two years ago. And it's still not done because the post production budget on it is so big that for it to work they need to raise so much more money that you have to understand that shooting a film means you have half a film you yes you have it shot and you can edit the footage but without score without you know proper sound design without proper coloring without proper special effects however much you might need in your film thankfully on our film it's not that much it's it's not it's not a finished film yeah you've got marketing and promotion and publicity and all that stuff it's a half finished film so yeah and that's where i think a lot of indie films get into trouble. I've heard so many stories and know so many people who've done independent features where they can't finish it mm-hmm. because they just didn't think about uh, post-production or they didn't leave enough in, in the uh, in the budget because when you're in production, it's easy to, to say, well, we really need that location. We really need this actor. We really need this. And we really need this. And before you know what you spent more of your budget than you probably should have. And just to kind of put post-production out of your mind and think, We'll deal with that when that comes up. Well, it's going to come up. And guess what? Without post-production, your film's not going to be finished either. Mm-hmm. So it's, right. give it its proper you know, due emphasis. Yeah, but it, it's tricky too because it, I think a lot of people will let this kind of thing stop them. They'll say like, oh, well, you know, like it's going to... They, they think 10 steps ahead of where they are right now. And they think, mm-hmm. oh, you know, like I've got all this kind of money issues to deal with and all this post-production stuff. And there's stuff I'm not anticipating that's going to come up. and It's going to be too expensive and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But then you have people like we had on the show a few months ago, a guy named Josh Caldwell, Joshua Caldwell, uh, who who wrote and made a feature for $6,000. He shot it himself over the mm-hmm. course of like four weekends in L.A. And I he sent me Oof. a screener of it. It's a beautiful film, 6K, in the can, done. 
And, you know, he said it was credit cards and family members, basically, that, that helped him out. Yeah. But People it, who but could do that really amaze me. It, I mean, it's, I and it's, it's a totally different movie than, than Midnight Man. Just to put a little disclaimer in there, it's not at all the same type of film. It's the mm-hmm. kind of film that you could make for much, much, much less mm-hmm. money. I mean, you guys have a little bit more involved in what you were doing. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good just, to, just so we can all kind of approach this part of our careers with a little more authority to know mm-hmm. that there are... There are places where you can fit into this mm-hmm. this kind of game, yeah. Uh, and and sometimes you're going to be dealing with tons of money and overseas investors, and sometimes you're going to be playing the credit card game. Yeah, absolutely. And we yeah. have done both. And there's on the same project. <laughs> and sometimes yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> you know, right. and they that's that's kind of the the weird and amazing and frustrating thing is that they've they've all worked. I mean. You know, Kevin Kevin Smith very famously made clerks on credit cards for what twenty five, twenty nine thousand, something like that. I don't know the exact yes. number. Uh, again, Justin Lin, uh, something similar for Better Luck Tomorrow. I don't know what he spent on that. And those were success stories. And both of those men went on to careers. And I don't know their personal financial situations, but I'm relatively sure they were able to pay their credit card debt off. But you have to imagine that for every one of them, somebody else tried it and maybe fell short, and now they are scrambling to get themselves out of a financial hole. And, yeah. and you know, and so we all, I think we all kind of understand on some level and it's very frightening and it can definitely put you off from wanting to take uh, some daring steps. But, you know, like your, like your friend who did it for 6,000, um, I'd be willing to bet that that's not the kind of financial stake that is going to injure him long-term. Uh, but he's got the film, he can put it in the festivals, and maybe it'll do something for him, it'll get him some exposure, and somebody else can subsidize his next film. You know, it's... it's um, there's a certain level of daring that has to go has to go into it, and that's one of the things that... This is one of the reasons that I'm, I'm not as much of a producer. That's definitely Brina's thing, is because... Uh, she She's pretty good at that, that, that taking that bold step and saying, like she, like she said, this is a thing of necessity for her, you know, uh, that's very cool. And I think there's, there's that thing where it's kind of, uh, you know, um, there's that old saying that I know that's used, used for political reasons oftentimes, which is that if you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. You teach a man to fish, he'll eat for life. But boy, and if somebody... And you leave the dude alone, yeah, he'll probably figure it out figure it out on his own. <laughs> you know, that's the, that's, the movie, that. that's the movie industry version of that. So. Yeah, yeah. So on this kind of topic, um, this is something that I think we never really ask our friends uh, or people we work with, but why do you guys do this? I mean, why why aren't you in? I mean, Rena, you said you've done real estate. You did really well with that. Mm-hmm. Why did you not stick with that? I mean, why move into this uncertain industry? I mean, yeah, because you have to. But like from a practicality standpoint, from a practicality standpoint, let's. I, I try not to think about that because I am well aware <laughs> that this is really fucking stupid. Probably, hey, well, you know, <laughs> to that, be that's, doing these conversations happen to all of us. <laughs> but it's always it's always great to hear. Like, what well, what is it that keeps you here? Because I love it, and I can't imagine doing anything else. And mm. I think that's the thing that keeps us all here, especially um, the artists. You know, it's just um, a love for the uh, for the for what we do, and it's not. And what we do is not easy, even in an artistic sense. But to me, it's just I can't imagine anything better, because you know. Filmmakers, people who do this work, I always think, you know, we're not really the creators of dreams. We don't really, you know, like teachers, you know, and people who inspire people. We don't really do that. We don't inspire people to, I mean, we can, but to me, what we do is more, we are the creators of fantasy. We are the creators of something that people can't have in their lives, but then they watch, you know, 
they they watch this form of entertainment that we produce and it it's i mean it's it's escapism but it also is very necessary you know i'm not saying that this is more important than what most people are doing because honestly it's not it's whipped cream but at the same time it's important it's just that little bit of extra that you know that little bit of extra spice that makes um everybody's life a little bit better and that to me is what entertainment is and i think uh, i just i just love it i've been in, in it since i was a kid and i want to stay in it and i want to keep creating that fantasy for other people mm. i want to keep you know entertaining people and um to me that really is what it comes down to and you know i've been in it long enough and i'm jaded enough and i've produced and you know i've been on the practical and the financial side of it long enough that i probably lost most of that wide-eyed enthusiasm but you know enough of it is still left over at the end of the day that i wouldn't want to do anything else mm -hmm. i think i don't know if that's why david is here i would like to assume that it's the same basic principle that keeps him around it is it's it's <laughs> it's the same basic principle i mean there's it's it's a complicated thing and i'm sure that anyone who works in in this industry in this field would have to agree that on some level if we're really honest with ourselves there's something a little selfish about it because we you know we feel that we loved the we loved this industry we loved the idea of doing this as as kids or whatever it it appealed to us it's it spoke to something in us and therefore we want to keep doing it it's a bit of a drug that way and kind of like any drug there's a selfish element if you continue to use um at the same time as marina's much more articulate argument just said uh there is also something that in this industry that you can also give back you know, there's something that you can provide to other people. Uh, again, we as as kids, all of us as kids, we had our imaginations sparked by something. You know, we had our, uh, you know, we, we saw a movie, we saw a, a performance, you know, heard a story, something that made an impact. And the opportunity to offer that to someone else certainly is enticing as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a complicated answer. Mm -hmm. I don't have a very good one. Yeah, no, so. I, I do see it as a service, really. I, I feel mm -hmm. like creating art is a is a public service in a way i think it's a community service i think it's the kind of thing that a lot of us and i, I this this popped into my head as you were speaking brina that, that just a lot of us feel called to some sort of creative endeavor mm -hmm. and we talk ourselves out of it and we end up in mm -hmm. a cubicle for 40 years mm -hmm. pushing papers somewhere and there's nothing wrong with that and that mm -hmm. kind of work needs to be done and there's some people that are really good at it and that mm -hmm. enjoy it and that it, it does serve a purpose and it's it does make people's lives better mm -hmm. but there's a lot of us a lot of us in those jobs that loathe it mm -hmm. and that wonder why we didn't take a chance or go do the thing that we our hearts were kind of calling us to do mm -hmm. and so what's cool about sitting across from people like you guys especially is because you, like you're very clearly on purpose you know what i mean like i feel like when you so. when you are you know many many years from now and you're on your deathbed you'll be able to look back at your life and say you know what i took a chance mm -hmm. i did it i went for it i have no regrets about mm -hmm. wasting my time doing something i didn't enjoy or that i didn't feel called to like i led an authentic life exactly it's that's at yeah. the end of the day you know, this whole industry is a privilege. We get to do this, and I am very well aware that, you know, all of the complaints, for all of the complaints that I have had 
um, regarding this this work. It's definitely, it's absolutely a privilege. Yeah. It could, we could all be doing something else, something that we are, you know, less inclined to do, less interested in, and the fact that we get to do this is very, um, it's awesome. And it's, oh, it is possible to produce something that you can be proud of, something that it, um, is, you know, will show well, um, something that will do good things for you on on virtually next to nothing all you have to do is just have the will to do it to put it together mm. you know you know a lot of people say oh, i want to do this i want to do that but actually doing it i've had so many friends say i've heard so many friends just in the last year say i want to do a project but very few of them have actually pulled it together and really if you you know if you want to do something you got to do it yeah, you know the only way you, through you is gotta, through yeah you got to yeah. just 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 pull every, all of your resources and all of your friends together and just see what you have because you never know. It might mm -hmm. just turn into a feature. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, mic drop. <laughs> uh, there's so many questions I still want to ask you guys, but we're, we're just about out of time here. So uh, I do want to wrap it up. But before we wrap up with our final kind of two questions that we ask all our guests... Uh, I want to just find out what's next for the feature. I mean, it's just about done, right? You just got a couple more weeks in post and then it's you're... It's almost done. It is. It is. It's almost done. Um, we are uh, just in that process where we're starting to put it into uh, the festivals where we think it would have a real shot at doing well. And also at the same time looking for uh, distributors and agents and starting that whole marketing and sales process and mm -hmm. trying, wow. to get it, trying to get it out there because it's, it is a crowded marketplace. And, you know, you, you got to... Uh, you got to work hard to find where it, where it belongs. So hmm. that's, trying to give that's, it its leg up and trying yeah. to give it every edge that it possibly can. You yeah, know? getting as specific as possible with where it fits into the, the marketplace, exactly. who, what audience it serves. Yeah, exactly. in, in the yeah. in the kind of the climate of Netflix these days, and the you know they have their algorithm of you might also like this. You know, like films and entertainment is being marketed very specifically to very specific people, and you know. And we definitely have a very specific genre film, and uh, we're just looking for the right audience to put it in front of and how to market it. Because cool. a lot of times it's really not, I mean, it's about how you market yourself and how you market your film. You right. Know, if you yeah. get it in front of the right people, it will play well and it'll do well. And if you don't, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna flop. Yeah. So <laughs> that's so true. It's all out. about finding the right audience. Like, definitely. if there's one thing yeah. the internet has proven about the world, it's that there is an audience Everything. for anything. Yeah anything at all if yeah. you like elmo dolls that are yeah. that have bullet holes in them mm -hmm. and that are soaked in kool-aid yeah. like you, how did you, you know? find a tribe of yeah, people exactly. that are passionate about that you're gonna you be know? able to find the seven other people in this world who are yeah. just as passionate about but they've that. got you a facebook a group they've got a yeah, website exactly. they've got a membership thing yeah <laughs> um that's great so if people want to learn more about the film which is called the midnight man where can they where can they go is there do you guys have a, a website well, or right anything now we have it? our imdb but um in about Less than a month, we will have an official trailer, um, because it'll be done. And a, and a website, and, and yeah. there'll be a you know we'll trickle information out there through Twitter and whatnot. So cool, um, cool. Yeah, just uh, I would I would say the the IMDb page right now, and hopefully that'll start that'll continue to get updated. And have right more now, it's just cool. we happen to have done this right at the time where I'm like, oh, we are so close to done. You know, in, in in another three weeks, we will be able to say there will be a trailer next week. Yeah. But mm -hmm. now it's just we're just at that very last stage where we have our final assembly on January twenty sixth. 
That is so awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, when you guys have the trailer, please send it to me, and I'll make sure we get it out to uh, to our oh, listeners. Wonderful. I'm sure after Thank listening to this much. interview, they're going to be really excited to see it. Oh, wonderful! Right, and I, I saw so. I saw an early cut of, of the trailer, and it looked fantastic. Thank I just you. was so impressed with just everything about it. I'm so stoked to see it. Oh, thank, thank you. you. That's yeah. very sweet. Thank you. All right, before we wrap up, two questions that we ask all our guests. Okay. And uh, they always get really interesting answers. So here we go. Do you feel like this this path so to speak chose you or do you feel like you chose it i feel like it chose me first but then i had to choose it back to remain in it because you know i fell into it as a kid acting performing whatever but if i didn't have a true love for it if i didn't really want to pursue it um i definitely won't be here because it is it's not easy so you know i definitely there was a point where i consciously made the effort made the decision this is what I'm going to do as an adult and this is how I you know this is what I want to pursue with my life so I chose it even though it chose me first it came up and sniffed me but then you know I adopted it (laughs) (laughs) came up and sniffed you yeah if it were like a puppy right right that's what happened right on what about you uh i would yeah i would say i i chose this i and it's that thing i i think i say that because i you you have to keep choosing it. You know you don't just choose once and then it's you're set for you're set for life. I mean it, it you know like uh, like any hard thing in life uh, it's 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 gonna present challenges to you and you have to keep looking at those challenges and saying all right I'm gonna choose this again I'm gonna keep doing this you know it's I'm gonna keep saying yes so I I, I think I think I chose this right on cool and it's because there's no real like. Um secure job security in this industry that you have to keep choosing it because every new gig is going to end and then yeah. you're right back to well what do i do now you know the second question and we'll wrap up after this but the second question is if you had one if you could take all your experience um all your victories all your sort of losses if you can call them that all your mistakes all your your learn froms <laughs> all of uh, and put that all and condense it into just one nugget one little piece of advice you could pass on then to somebody that's kind of walking the path behind you, what would that nugget of advice be? You know, it's, it's odd. Um, I am more, I think of myself more as a producer now, but I've spent more time as an actor. So it would still be about acting for me personally. Um, and I would say, if there is something unique about you, don't hesitate to do that ever. And that, it's actually, it's a, um, of a great story to go with it. It actually happened on our film. We were casting the lead actor um, whom we had, um, and we'd written the character and we've lived with the character for a year and a half. I know, I thought I knew exactly what he was supposed to sound like. I thought I knew exactly who I was looking for. I was so sure who this guy was and what he was like. And we had an actor who very much embodied that. A month before shooting, that actor fell through. His schedule didn't work out, and we were thrown into a uh, just an array of, what are we going to do? Either we push to film or we scramble to recast someone else. Our casting director brought in just about every single available actor in town, and we started just auditioning. We must have auditioned about 70 people. And 70 for yeah, the lead role? For the lead role. For Grady? Yeah, wow. for Grady. Yeah, and uh, we, we spent three days in the casting uh, director's office, or at least it felt like 70. And let me just say this. Every single actor um, who, like, Grady was, as, as he was written in the script, very much sounded American because there was no reason for him not to be. He was just, you know, we had written him, you know, we both 
David's an American. I've spent enough time here that we we both have that voice. We'd expected him to be American. Every actor who came in read him that way. And because this is Los Angeles, about 30% of those actors were foreign. They were either British or Australian. They had some kind of accent that they hid. And they came in and they read it as an American until one actor walked in and he was British and he decided he was going to use his, his British accent. And long story short, Grady is now British. <laughs> <laughs> With an Irish name. Yeah. yeah. With an Irish name. Exactly. So you never know. He was the one actor who made us hear our dialogue in a way that we've never heard it before. And like I, I said, I thought I knew everything there was to know about this guy because we had created him and we had lived with him for a year and a half. I thought I knew exactly what I was looking for. Mm. I had no idea. You know, an, an actor walked in and made me see the character in a way that I had never seen before and made him so much better. Hmm. And I thank him for that. And I am, you know, and it, it really was, it to, to us, it was like, oh my God, this could actually work, you know, because we had been doing it for so long. We had auditioned so many people. It was just, you know, my eyeballs were bleeding right. and my, yeah. I was going deaf, you know, and it's just, and in the midst of all of that chaos, something happened that, uh, that was fortuitous and neither of us could have foresaw. And, um, it worked out for everyone. So basically if there is something like that, that is unique about you do that, you Never know. You just might, you know, it just might work out better. You just might make someone see something in a whole new light. Don't try to conform. Mm -hmm. Don't see don't a role and think... Don't try to give them what, they, what you think this they want. Is, yeah, don't try to... Don't look at a role and immediately think, well, obviously this is like this. The other 70 people are already going to do that. If you have something that is unique about you, show that. Yeah. Show that off. You just, you never know. We, I teach a voiceover class every month in Hollywood. And in it, we talk a lot about bringing your brand to the party mm -hmm. yeah. and exactly. just showing up and being yeah. like, these are my ideas, yeah. take it or leave it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, this is what I see for it. If mm -hmm. it's right, great. If not, you know, I'm happy to take direction, but like, mm -hmm. it might not be the right fit and that's fine. Yeah. But like, and this is what I, this is what I bring. This is what Trevor if, brings. If yeah. Exactly. If nothing yeah. else, it will make everyone who's present have to imagine, even if it's just during the time of your audition, have to imagine this character you, in, in a way that perhaps they've never done it before. And that in itself is going to make the whole project and every everything mm. about it better. So always be that person because it does pay off. Anyway, really long answer. So. <laughs> no, that's great. I think that's probably the, the most, one of the most important. I put that in like the top three things you could ever do for your career as a creative type is not conform, not is be you, yeah. choose you, Definitely. do you, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, David, what's your, uh, David? what's your nugget of advice to pass along to Well, somebody? ironically, I had been preparing for this question with an answer pretty much along the lines I'm sorry. of hers. She stole my answer. <laughs> Did I? So I've got nothing right now, but yes. Pretty so much, heartless. Yeah, it's so heartless. I'm so sorry. Just I didn't know that. The nerve. Funnel, you know, but just to funnel well, it down. Well, that's a producer for you. That the is, producer yeah. will always swoop in and take the director's credit. There you go. <laughs> but, uh, no, 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 really, it, it is. It, it's it's what you guys are talking about. Do, do your thing. Walk into a mm -hmm. room. Do your thing. Uh, don't try to be something else. Don't try to be, I mean, obviously, you're you're acting a role, but... But do do your thing. It may not always be the right thing for that film, but as as Brina said, uh, sometimes you might get, you know, the people on the other side of that desk, 
to see something else in you, you know, to see something else in the character. Uh, yeah. It did happen more than once on this film, once with Grady, our lead, but uh, we, we did have right, another, also, we had yeah. another small role that uh, um, we had envisioned a very uh, particular way. And then we just saw this one young man read and he completely redefined the role for us and we had to have him. And it was, you know, there's no questions about it. And we told him that when he showed up, we said, you completely redefined how we thought this character needed to be but you know he just came in he did his thing and that was it so uh he so yes he actually read for another role uh actually. that's right yeah that's right and it it, it it didn't matter you you just you never know what yeah wh- what's going to end up working out and so, we also uh cast another actor who um we who read for another project of ours previously whom we didn't cast mm-hmm. but he was Memorable. And that's another thing is that just because they don't cast you does not mean they don't remember you. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, we they talk about that in the show. If, we call it booking the office. Yeah, yeah. If if you yeah. if you make an impression, it's very true. But it's, there's another it's very there's true. another role in the film uh, that went to someone who read for us before and we didn't cast him, but but we remembered him. We he remembered was specific him, yeah. and yeah. interesting, and we put his touch on, on the board. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. So cool. you know, so go in to these rooms, uh, do your thing bring bring what you're gonna bring to it and and uh and just leave it all leave it all out there you know don't don't try to be what you think they're looking for tell them what they're looking for you Mm. know so there you go and ladies and gentlemen this is coming from a successful writing producing Uh, filmmaking uh, team these are people (laughs) these are people making decisions on their own projects so (laughs) heed the uh, heed the advice um, thank you so much for taking the time, guys. Oh, man. Um, thank you so much for having us on. People want to connect with you online or find out more about you. I know, Brina, you've got a Twitter uh, so account. And David, you've got one too? I'm very, cool. very yeah. new to Twitter. It is very recent. So, yes, look for me. It's at Brina Kelly. I am at Daco, D-C-H. D-A-C-O, D-C-H. Cool. We'll have a trailer for the film soon. Check that out. And um, if it's up your alley, watch the film. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I know that I can't wait to see it. Now we've got hopefully several thousand people that also can't wait to see it. <laughs> so thanks again for, uh, for being so generous with your time and for oh, taking the Oh, thank you again for having us. This was fun. This is a lot of fun. Hey, folks. Welcome back to AJ and Trevor. What a motivating story for anyone out there who is considering you know making their own films so many people look at the feature film as like the pinnacle of you know the the the, the sort of indie I don't know, indie movement I guess if you will and yeah, and yeah. and these two are clearly crushing it I mean they they, they basically went I don't want to say by the book, but they did something that, in the case of the Midnight Monster, Midnight Man, they did something that a lot of filmmakers talk about doing, which is making the short, the proof of concept, taking it out there and and getting people interested in it and getting funding to make the feature. Like so many people, directors, filmmakers, writers, that's the path that they are attempting to to go down and, and don't do it as successfully as these two did. So. Right. Really cool. Sweet, man. So uh, what's your pick of the week? So I alluded to this heavily uh, last <laughs> week. Yeah, you did. 
Yeah, uh, this book, The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, it's uh, it's quite popular in network marketing circles. I posted about it on Twitter and Facebook, and everyone was like, oh, you know, when I was being recruited by Nerium or when I was being recruited by Herbalife, they were like, oh, yeah, everybody told me to read that book or I was given a copy of that book or something. And, and I get it. It's for a very good reason because the book, it's a lot of fluff. But it's extremely inspiring to hear the same message over and over in different contexts throughout the chapters. But if you could distill it down to like one or two sentences, it would be all life is practice and the little insignificant choices are what matter the most. Mm. So the slight edge is all about, you know, doing the thing you said you were going to do. Like it all start. He tells a story in the book about, you know. Uh, millionaires being made, you know, one penny at a time, how you start with that one penny and how it seems insignificant, but the choices that you make with that penny could, could be worth millions down the, down the line, you know, whether you spend or invest or whatever you do with it. And so it all starts with that one penny and it's all about your mindset and it's about showing up every day and doing something small for yourself because it seems small today, but after a year of doing that small thing every single day, you've got a huge compound effect that, uh, that goes into action. And I think Einstein said that compound interest is the most powerful force in the universe. And he talks about the story of the water hyacinth and, and how it doubles every day. And eventually, it, it, I could go on, but it's a great, great book. It should be a staple book for everybody's personal success library. So I highly recommend it. Uh, link on our website. If you combine this book with uh, my favorite blog, Du Jour, which is MrMoneyMustache.com, mm. uh, talk about taking control of your personal finances. It's really, uh, it's just awesome. I highly recommend this book. It's easily in my top five books of all time to just hang on to and reread every year or so. So we as a podcast and also in other, you know, organizations I've been a part of like the Los Angeles Theater Ensemble and and some other, um, you know, non-for-profit, basically, uh, organizations um, have been looking for a project management team collaboration system, uh, whether it be a website, an app, uh, some kind of application or program or what have you. And we think we have stumbled upon the the one that will that will work at least for the time being at for at least for a podcast like this it's called slack uh, you can check them out at slack.com and you can basically just uh, create all of these various projects and bring your team whatever it is that you're a part of a, a, a group of actors a masterminds group uh, a, um, a theater company can all sign up for an account inside of this project management software or project management service and then you can sort of hashtag if you will the various projects and then go into them as if they were forums um, it allows you to integrate all kinds of different um, uh, uh, like outside third-party software like Dropbox for files or Twitter for social media um, opening links inside of you know whatever your browser is that you use that kind of thing and then communicate effectively with other people on your team uh, about whatever projects it, it, you're working on. So I was just blown away by the uh, app interface. I thought it was super easy to use, probably the best best or easiest to on the eyes project management interface that I've seen and I've been a part of a lot <laughs> thanks to the Los Angeles Theater Ensemble and, and, and the podcast. So... Um, Anyway, I, I, I was like, I, I have to talk about this because I'm sure we have a ton of listeners out there working on 
um, projects, collaborations, etc., with you know friends or uh, colleagues or you know other actors or other artists, whatever whatever you happen to be working on. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of great project management tools out there that you can use for various things like theater ensembles and, and film crews and, you know, big projects. Uh, Basecamp was what we used for the ensemble for a long time. And Basecamp's great. I think it costs at the base level about 20 bucks a month. What I like about Slack is that it's free, number one, <clears throat> or there's a free option at least. And number two is it, it kind of meets that really sweet spot between a chat room and email where it's like it's definitely more powerful than your average chat room. Uh, there's definitely a lot of great new fe- features that are more powerful than a chat room, but it still maintains that sort of chat room sort of feel to it. So it's very easy to jump in and post messages and tag people and they get pinged when you tag them. And then it, it also kind of meets email, but it's it's less sort of direct and, and uh, I guess eff- effective than email, but in a good way because <clears> – <throat> You can just get pinged when you when you're tagged in a message, and you can just check in, and you can share files on there. You can upload files, and like AJ said, integrate it with all these other different services like Google Docs and Dropbox and and Flickr and all this stuff. So it's it's a really powerful solution, I think, for a lot of people. And um, you know, we're trying it out, but uh, I think it's going to be it's going to be a good um, solution for us for the time being. So, so yeah, Slack.com. Not to totally steal your your um, no, I asked. Pick of the week talk time. I asked yeah. because you know you know you know a, f- a fair bit uh, about, more about it. Um, is yeah, there a, is there a cost associated with it? That was my main question. Sure, I do believe there's a paid, a paid option of some kind. I'm not f- totally familiar with it. I haven't looked into it because I don't think we personally need it right now. Ah, okay. but I, I do believe it's out there because I don't know how they make money otherwise. Wow. Well, we're. I mean, look, we're yeah. we're we are able to get everything done that we need to get done um, with a, with a free one, and and that's running this podcast. So I'm sure. If you're out there listening to this and you've been looking for some project management software, you could probably use this and get away with it and not have to um, pay anything for it like us. Yeah. Amen. Cool. And then we have a, uh, a listener pick this week comes from uh, our newest team member, which is Jasmine Bristow. Her pick of the week is Coach.me. It is both a website and an app. And actually, this was my pick of the week about a year ago. It used to be called Lyft, L-I-F-T. And it's essentially a way to just kind of create habits that you'd like to integrate into your life. You create them in the app and you just check them off as you go throughout the day, um, which is a nice sort of, I think Jerry Seinfeld, at least he's the first person I heard of to talk about goals this way, but tracking your goal uh, every day. And then after a few days, if you kind of like were to put an X on the calendar for every day that you completed your, your habit or your goal, uh, you would eventually have a chain, and then your only, the only object of the game is to not break the chain. And Lyft, or, or rather Coach.me, is kind of built around that idea. Don't break the chain of your habits. Like you want to get on a streak of anything, from flossing every day to, to making sure you get eight hours, hours of sleep, to exercising every day, to whatever. What's nice about this new version of it, Coach.me, is that it also integrates personal coaching. So you can hire a personal coach through the app, and if you're up for it, you can be a personal coach. So you can actually turn this into a sort of side or thrival job if you'd like. You can apply and they have a little mini training you can go through and all that stuff. And there's a social aspect to it too so you can chat with other people who are also building the same habits. It's a free app to download. The coaching is paid but uh, it's not much. It's, it's a really great bargain 
for somebody to walk you through a habit for a few months. So huge thanks this week to Brandy Ford. She's a longtime listener and she just sent us a really <clears throat> generous donation. And then uh, Tiffany Wallum. Did we, did we thank her last week? I can't remember if we did. Tiffany, we're thanking you again this week uh, for your brand new support of uh, the, the podcast as a patron. Uh, and we're actually going to be, as we integrate this online mastermind group, we've done a lot of work on it this week. The next two weeks, we're going to be setting it up and it's going to be up and running very soon. And we may be changing the word patron to member because there's a lot of cool stuff that I think people are going to have access to uh, as uh, as patrons in addition to things like these shout outs and whatnot. Speaking of shout outs, Courtney Reyes is our newest patron of the week. She's an actress based out of the Cincinnati area. She just recently allowed herself to realize what her ultimate dream is. And she's fairly new to the acting world. I would say she's a fresh talent we haven't seen yet. Uh, she's immediately diving into all the film acting she can. She's pursued and been in films in Kentucky, Ohio, Indianapolis, and beyond. She's planning to relocate to either Atlanta or Chicago once she's graduated from Northern Kentucky University. So, Courtney, thank you for your support. Sounds like you're, uh, you're doing what a lot of people don't have the balls to do, which is chase your dreams. So huge kudos for that. Huge applause. Hmm. And thank you again for being part of the, the journey with us. I love that. I just bought Jasmine. A, a, she, she's obsessed with journals. And I found this one that I love. And it, the entire cover is covered by a quote that says, don't quit your daydream. <laughs> oh my god i love that yeah it's beautiful Damn. it's beautiful somebody trademarked that that's great right. t-shirts galore right don't quit yeah. your daydream this thing inside acting is produced and co-hosted by yours truly aj meyer and of course trevor algett jen levin is our production coordinator gadali gubrick is our marketing and web director and this is what trevor was referring to uh, a little bit earlier jasmine bristow is our new director of public relations deborah smith is our community manager and cesar gamino is our technical producer and he edited and mixed today's episode you can sign up for our free weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our recent episodes at our website insideactingpodcast.com you can also find us on soundcloud stitcher itunes or pretty much wherever you get your podcast from, including our app. And today's episode of the podcast was made possible in part by Rehearsal 2. It's the app for actors. If you want to learn your lines, be off book for auditions, explore your character and make stronger choices, there is an app for that. It's amazing. It's called Rehearsal 2, and you should download it right now at rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. It's iOS only, so it's only for your iPhone or iPad. If you love inside acting and you want to help keep the show going, you can sign up as a monthly patron maybe member monthly member and get cool perks like access to an exclusive online patron only member only masterminds group which is, is uh, as trevor said coming soon we've been talking about it for so long on the podcast but i'm really excited i've seen screenshots now and we're talking about like the the details of what it's going to look like and how it's going to work and it is so much more and so much better than anything i ever imagined so i'm, I'm really really excited about that um, so in addition to that, a shout out on the show, the show's website, a newsletter, freebies and discounts on upcoming merchandise and other upcoming podcast offerings. Just visit InsideActingPodcast.com, click on the patron tab. And of course, you know, we're still um, taking uh, these one-off donations. Of course, you heard uh, us thank Brandy earlier in the episode. But, um, you know, in addition to being a patron slash member, um, you know, you can still leave a, a one-time donation if that is easier for you to do. Absolutely. All right. I think that's all she wrote for episode 178. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Trevor Algott. And I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, cozy on up to the fire. <laughs>